Hello. Now, before I jump into this episode, I want to let you know about a free workshop that I'm running in mid-February 2023. So if you're listening to this episode at its time of release, make sure you save your spot. And if it's slightly after, check in on the link anyway, because we, we are sharing a replay for a little time after the workshop. So the online workshop is called the top five home design mistakes and how to avoid them. And in it, I'm going to go through the biggest and most commonly made home design mistakes and my tips and tactics for avoiding them happening in your project. So whether you're renovating or you're building new, And whoever you're working with, you'll find this free online workshop is packed full of actionable help and information for you. So save your free spot by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash design mistakes. And I'll pop that link in the resources as well. Now, let me get on with this episode. This is episode 269. And in it, I'm going to discuss a post that I recently saw on Facebook that... It had me just shaking my head, to be frank with you, about what people are enduring when they're building and renovating their homes. And I definitely want to help you not go through the same thing. I want to help you avoid it. So we're going to talk about that. Okay. So remember, I've got a full transcript of this episode, plus information on the resources, uh, additional resources that are going to support this episode. You can grab all of that by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 269. That's the numbers 269. Now, Let's dive in. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia, and I recognise the continuing connection to lands, waters, skies and communities. I pay my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to elders both past and present. If we haven't met before, I'm Amelia Lee. Based in northern New South Wales, Australia, I'm a wife, mum and architect, and I've worked in the architectural industry for over 27 years now. Having worked on over 250 projects, mainly residential family homes, as well as significantly renovating three homes of my own with my hubby, whilst our three kids were babies, toddlers, and even older, I have a personal and professional understanding of the joy, challenges, stresses, and excitement of making your family home a reality. In mid-2014, I started Undercover Architect, and it's an online business to help and teach homeowners like you how to get it right when designing, building, and renovating your family home. Undercover Architect is all about giving you access to the industry knowledge and insights you need to avoid the mistakes and dramas that can cost you thousands, tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's about levelling the playing field so that the world of renovating and building doesn't seem so mysterious and you can be the active driver in your project, navigating it with know-how and confidence. Undercover Architect helps and teaches homeowners through this podcast, the website, and our online courses and programs, including my flagship program, Home Method. I truly believe that when you know the questions to ask, the steps to take, and the best way to create a home that works, feels great, and that you feel great in, you can enjoy the process of building and renovating, as well as the home that you move into at the end of this ambitious journey. Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally, whoever you're working with and whatever your location, your budget or your dreams. Grab access to my free online workshop, Your Project Plan, and learn super helpful information to save time, money and stress in your reno or new build. You can find it at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. Now, let's get on to the episode. The post began... I am honestly so done with building. This is my first home and first building experience and I hate it. I'll never build again. 
Now, at my last check within two days of the original post, there were over 100 comments from people with varying levels of agreement with this sentiment. You know, stories of delays in site starts, price rises, even those builders had promised that there wouldn't be, projects taking two or more years to complete. It, it went on and on. Now, the author of the original post, they actually shared their own story. And when I read it, I couldn't understand why they never wanted to build again. They'd had promises made and broken. They'd had extensive time delays. They'd had issues with neighbours and a raft of other challenges. I really did not blame them at all for never wanting to build again. And I also wondered if the construction experience had been like this for them, then what was the quality of their home going to be like? You know, would their home actually cause them more headaches down the track as they discovered the shortcuts that the builder had taken during the build. The whole thing was just heartbreaking. And of course, at this point, you know, they're well into the process. So changing the situation requires a considerable amount of effort and work in order to, to make happen. Now, over my 28 plus year career as an architect, I've sat down across the table from so many builders, so many developers, even designers and other industry professionals who, when we've discussed things, they've said to me, look, the client doesn't know any better. They're not going to pay any more. They won't be able to tell the difference. So there's no need for them to offer more or better in their business. And the inference of this is, well, whilst the consumer accepts what we're dishing up, we're not going to improve, enhance or add to what we're doing. You know, why would we bother? This extends, you know, these these conversations that I'd have, they'd extend from conversations about for example, choosing better or more durable materials to including, say, better design features right through to improving the energy efficiency and sustainability of a project. That was always a big one. If we wanted to really push the energy efficiency and sustainability of a project, the response, particularly from developers, was generally, look, the client's not going to pay for it, so we can't do it. Now, one of the many reasons that I started Undercover Architect was because I knew that the residential design and construction industry could and can do better for those that it serves, which is ultimately you, the homeowner. But I knew for you to know that as a homeowner, that it can and it, and, it, and it could do better, that you need to be educated about what better actually looks like. So a lot of my work and mission with Undercover Architect is based on this. You know, if I teach you what the process of building and renovating a functional, well-designed, energy efficient, sustainable and good quality home actually looks like, then you'll be better equipped to find the right people and the processes in order to achieve that for yourself. And, and through your education, you'll then have the ability to demand better from the industry, from the people that you work with. And then the standard and the professionalism of the residential construction industry just gets elevated overall as it has to rise to deliver better to educated and informed clients. Now, I also knew and I still know because they're there, there are some amazing industry professionals who are doing incredible work for homeowners. But unfortunately, the bad news travels much further and faster than the good news. And those that are out there doing great work, they're, you know, look, they're often not great marketers of their great work, or they're so flat out ensuring that they deliver great work that they just don't find the time to tell everyone about their great work. And people are much more likely to leave bad reviews than good reviews. And you'll find too that a lot of these professionals, they're super humble. And so telling others about their great work, it just can feel weird for them. They just want their work to speak for, the, for itself. Now, all of that makes it much harder for you to find them. But please know there are so many awesome industry professionals out there that you can work with. They're usually busy though. So you, you generally do have to wait for them, but they are there. Now, back to the post that I saw. And I mention all of that because I don't want you to think that it just has to be a case of 
the industry being terrible and things going poorly for you. You know, when I saw this post and I saw the comments that followed, there were heartbreaking descriptions of so many industry professionals that were behaving badly, that were taking advantage of their clients and not running their businesses well. But what was worse than that is that I saw so many homeowners were clearly not informed about about the fact that it didn't have to be this way, that there, that there was an option for it to be a more enjoyable experience and that it actually shouldn't be like this. Um, they didn't really or necessarily understand what they could or should expect from the people that they were working with and the process and how they could turn these situations around and most importantly, how they could have actually avoided them happening in the first place. Now, I find that regularly because, you know, oftentimes I'll jump in and I'll offer a suggestion you know, to be helpful, to sort of give them options of what might be available to them to, to move through. You know, the regular responses that I will receive to the suggestions that I make, the first one is, I don't want to rock the boat. And this can also be accompanied with, we're almost there. I just need this, I just need this builder finished and gone and out of my life. You know, many are scared of making an already terrible situation much worse. And so they'll endure this nightmare for longer, you know, just to get out to the other side of it whilst they tolerate being treated that way and their home being built or not being built, as is more the case, just to handle kind of going through this situation. You know, how did it actually come to this for these people? How did it you know, maybe you're in this situation as well. How did it come to this, you know, that we will invest hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes more with a company in creating a home that we're going to raise our family in and own for a decade or more. And it'll most likely be our biggest asset as well. And then we put ourselves through an incredibly stressful situation as the team that we've chosen turn around and start taking advantage of us. They deliver us a dud service and a poor quality outcome. But we're too scared to speak up to rock the boat and we just want it over with. Even though we might deal with the consequences of the home, of the situation, of the quality, of this experience, sometimes for decades. You know, I see that a lot of people entering their build or renovation process, they do so with a similar mindset to lots of other purchases in their life. And and there can be this expectation, I don't know if you've seen this, maybe it is an expectation that you have as well, that someone is overseeing the residential construction industry with the homeowner's best interests at heart, that someone somewhere has done the checks and so the rules and the regulations that are all set there as legal parameters, that they're all designed to deliver any homeowner a quality, well-designed and well-built home that's actually going to be worthy of the investment of time, effort and money. Unfortunately, though, like a lot of other industries, this isn't the case at all. You know, there's obstacles such as who's actually really driving the industry, who the membership associations and the government really answer to, and that's not the homeowner, by the way, and what that means for then the expected standards and legislation in the industry. Now, I find that when homeowners first discover this, when they realise this, that the industry in some parts is not really geared to deliver, well, it's geared to deliver the lowest common denominator really and, and how much it actually will take them as a homeowner to get to the bottom of what they really need to know and understand for their future home in order for it to be great, then understandably they can get totally disappointed and disillusioned that the people who are charged with maintaining and improving the industry that they aren't doing a better job the membership organizations and associations the governing bodies the government overall 
And, you know, I remember actually having somebody say this to me and it was back when they announced the Home Builder Grant and I think we'd been a few months into it and, you know, a lot of money was being thrown at at people to build or renovate in order to help keep the construction industry surviving because it employs around 10% of the population and there's always a big concern that it will fall over. And so generally you find that in challenging times economically, there are incentives given to uh, the industry or to people to spend money with the industry. And this question from this person was completely understandable. They said, why is it, why is it like this in the industry when the government throws so much money around to sustain this industry. You know, they were frustrated that as a homeowner that they weren't better protected and they felt that it was unfair that they needed to do so much research before building or renovating in order to set themselves up for success. And I totally get the frustration. You know, I have loads of people who tell me that they don't want to join Home Method, my flagship program, because they don't have the time and they don't feel that they can make the time and they feel that it just should be different, that the situation should be different and and it, and it shouldn't take for them to do an online program in order to get themselves well prepared for their project. However, I found that those that I do work with who really do create the most amazing results for themselves, their budget, their home, they make a decision to not feel this way, to not feel like somebody else should be taking care of things. They decide instead to take things into their own hands and to empower themselves with knowledge and education. And once they've made that decision to empower themselves, they want the most straightforward curated pathway through the knowledge that they need to obtain and understand. And so that's why they then turn around and join Home Method. And I, you know, I firmly believe that knowledge and education is the best way to set yourself up well for your project. And it's why I talk about my program. It's why I share information about my program, Home Method, as much as I do. I Seriously, I am just so passionate about providing this type of help to homeowners, providing this type of container and environment for homeowners to do their projects inside. And, and I see I see when members, you know, when they join and they start learning what they need to know, it's not only changing how their project goes, but it also helps them have more confidence and courage in their projects as well. And, you know, it's why I make a commitment to providing so much free information inside Undercover Architect as well via this podcast, via the website, via social media, you know. There is just so much doom and gloom about building and renovating that gets out there, telling you how terrible things can and do go. You know, you don't really have to dig very deep to find this information. Like I said, that post had over 100 comments within two days. There are so many stories out there that share drama-filled, horrible experiences of building and renovating. Now, I only mention these stories occasionally, like I am doing in this episode, because the fact remains that this experience can go badly for you and I feel it happens when you don't educate and prepare yourself for your project. So I will occasionally share things like this to bring them to your attention because I want you to avoid them and I want you to get the help that you need. And my preference and what you mostly hear from me is that education about how to get informed, to get the know-how that you need to help you time and time again remember that it's actually you who unlocks what is possible for your future home. You know, you're the one making the decisions. You're the one deciding to do this project. You're the one spending your money. This project is happening because of you and for you. And so I want you to hang on to that. I really want you to remember that and get yourself ready for your project in the best possible way. I do find though that whilst these stories exist, this negative doom and gloom stuff that's out there, there are many that I speak to who say to me, oh, look, this isn't going to happen to me. And the thing to remember is that these things can and do happen to anyone. And it's much more likely to happen if you don't prepare yourself effectively for your project. 
And there's a lot of aspirational information out there as well. You know, I see people saying, oh, look, we we didn't know how to do this either. And look what we created. And they have images of a very styled, very trendy home. So, of course, you can do it. You know, it's easy. And what's tricky about this, that if it was easy, my feeling is that everybody would be doing it and we wouldn't have all the dramas that do exist. And, you know, a post like that wouldn't get over 100 comments within two days. Now, what concerns me about this kind of information that's out there in, in the in the public realm is that what happens, particularly with the aspirational uh, information, is that a lot of homeowners will start their project with that kind of focus. They'll be focused on the aesthetics, the fixtures, the finishes and the colours that they'll have in their future home. They'll ruminate on that stuff far longer than thinking about you know, the time that they're going to spend to ensure that their design's right or pulling the right team together and how they're going to set themselves up for a great process and a great outcome. Look, frankly, you can have the prettiest, most on-trend home, but if it's not well designed and if it's poorly built, it's going to be a massive headache for you very, very soon. And unfortunately, though, I think that that's the information that a lot of people commence their building or renovation journey on. It's this combo of, you know, this is just going to be a nightmare and it's just going to depend how much of a nightmare it is for us through to, well, loads of other experienced people are doing a great job of this and we just need to find, you know, someone to work with. They need to find a good designer, a good to build, a builder and the rest is going to be okay. And then what they do is they'll then go and check with their friends and family about who they used and, you know, and, and, and take those recommendations. And what this leaves behind is the necessary preparation so that you're actually in the position to determine for yourself, firstly, what the steps are in the overall process between where you are now and where you want to get to. And then next, what your budget can afford and what's going to be the best way to invest that budget so that you get value for money in your home. And of course, the things that really matter in creating a well-designed, fantastic quality home that's long-lasting and durable for decades to come and of, you know, how you're going to be able to feel confident and in control as this project happens and have an ability to actually see before it gets you into trouble where people are having a lend of you, where they're about to take advantage of you or they're giving you poor advice. So after seeing this post that I mentioned at the beginning, I thought it would be useful to discuss more with you about how you cannot have this experience in your project, about what you need to think about and about how you need to be and how you need to operate so that you're not the one writing posts in Facebook groups saying, I'll never build again. Or if you are writing something like that, it's more along the lines of, look, we had such an amazing time of building our forever home that I wish we could do it all over again, but we won't be because we're here for good. So I wanted to share seven key things to remember as you dive into your journey of building and renovating your home. I've chosen these seven things to because I really believe that they'll help set you up for success. And I, ideally, they're about getting your head in the right place to get you really prepared to be who you need to be in order to work through all of the steps, the people and the processes in building and renovating your home. Because in all of the years that I've been doing this, all the work that I've been doing with homeowners, all the work that I do through Undercover Architect, what I see is your mindset really does matter. I think getting yourself into a place that supports your mindset, understanding where your mindset needs to be, and then getting yourself into a place that supports your mindset, then you can have the right people around you who can support and help deliver your vision. That is really imperative for a great project experience and a great outcome. Now, you're about to hear me talk about expectations a lot. And expectations, they're amazing things. 
Because even when we don't think that we have any, we usually do because our reactions to situations are the dead giveaway. You'll find that you'll either have disappointment or surprise or frustration or joy. That's the key that you've had an expectation that hasn't been met. Now, the thing is that when it comes to renovating or building, expectations are great things to have, you know, actually setting expectations, having expectations, and then managing those expectations right throughout your project journey. They be, that all becomes really critical in you ensuring that you have the information that you need, that your team is on the same page as you, that you have ways of holding people accountable, that you understand more about your project experience and that your team can effectively guide and support you. So I'll take you through these seven things that I have to remember and hopefully they're going to be super helpful for you. So the first tip that I have is I want you to educate yourself about what expectations you can have when you're designing, building and renovating your home. Now, I believe that the industry, like many industries, has led homeowners to believe that they can have very low expectations for their homes and the experience of creating them. And, you know, as we've scaled and we've grown, I feel like we've been almost beaten down to expect less, to put up with mediocrity and to just grin and bear the terrible service, the terrible quality, the terrible outcomes that we're being dished up. Now, add to that the fact that there's built-in obsolescence in most items. So things are designed to break down and need to be replaced. So we have to buy them again and again, and that's infuriating. If you're creating your future home, you're working on something that really should last generations and you're using resources, you know, your own and the planets to create something that's going to have long-lasting impact on you, your life and your well-being. So I think it's fair and reasonable to have high expectations in this scenario. And if you've never done this before, it can be necessary then to educate yourself about what is possible, what great looks like and what good quality actually means. You know, all homes, their physical buildings, they're going to be constrained by their site, by their location, their climate and various regulations and legal parameters and also, of course, their budget. And I want you to know, though, that more money does not equal a better home. So really focus your attention on educating yourself about what to expect from the industry and from those within it and then learn how these constraints are going to impact your project. An undercover architect has loads of resources to be able to help you do just that. Now, the second tip that I have is define what your expectations are going to be. So once you've figured out what you can expect, then define what your expectations are going to be for your project. So you want to work out what you want from your project and your future home. And you can do this by asking yourself questions such as, you know, what kind of people do I want on my team in their personalities and in their attitudes? What professional expertise do I think that I need for, do I need in my project, the kind of support that I need around me? How long would I like this project to take and how much of my own time do I expect to be spending during the project in order to help it happen? You know, how involved do I expect I'm going to need to be? What do I ideally want to spend on this project, both in pre-construction, in the lead up to being on site and then in the actual build itself? What are my expectations for the construction experience and how involved do I want to be in decisions, in visiting site, in checking progress and all of those kinds of things? What standard of finish am I expecting? You know, for example, what is your definition of good quality? What is your definition of premium? What is your definition of affordable or low cost? And how do I expect my home to feel when it is finished? How do I expect to feel in my home when it is finished? 
I want you to really drill into what your expectations are so that you can unpack them for yourself because you'll find that these getting to the bottom of this for yourself and really analyzing it for yourself and then being able to take that to potential team members that you're interviewing, they're going to be really great discussion points, really great conversation starters for you to be able to have really meaningful conversations with the people that you might be working with. Now, this leads me to my next point is that I want you to discuss those expectations with potential team members so that you can find alignment and then you can also get the necessary reality checks to ensure that your expectations are at the right place. So it is possible that your expectations may not be realistic and your job is to get your your alignment between your expectations and reality to happen as quickly as possible. I'm going to say that again. Your job is to get alignment between your expectations and what reality is as quickly as possible. And the two most important areas to be able to reality check are going to be around cost and time. Now, if you're operating off square meter or square footage rates as a check for your budget, get this reality checked as soon as possible. If you're doing a custom home, don't compare it with project home builder prices. If you're wanting a home that is higher specification than anything that you see mass built out there, get clarity on costs and timing ASAP. And then be prepared to be disappointed. You know, please know though, okay, even though you may be initially disappointed, it is always possible to dream a new dream when it comes to building and renovating, but it may not look like what your heart was initially set on. So my suggestion is don't spend a lot of time investing in your dream home ideas and and dreaming until you've reality checked your expectations. I've had builders and architects and designers get in touch with me because homeowners have turned up to their initial meetings with really unrealistic ideas of cost in particular And then the builder or designer or architect has had to be the bearer of bad news. And it is devastated people to hear that the home that they've been planning for, that they've been thinking about for a really, really long time is just not achievable for their budget. I will say in accompaniment with this though, don't just go with the advice of one person. I find that you do need to talk to several professionals when you're kicking off a project as a sanity check of things. It's a good way to gauge if the information that you're getting is on par with the, with the kind of people that you want to work with, the kind of project that you want to create, and that you're getting similar information from similar types of business people. And then if you find that the group of people that you're speaking to, if they're all telling you a similar thing, even though it may be really disappointing to hear, then you're going to a need to adjust most likely your budget or your time expectations around your project. I want you to be aware that many homeowners have fallen foul of the one industry professional who was telling them what they wanted to hear and has then, you know, barreled ahead and got them locked into an agreement to then have the project just cost more and take longer. So as your project starts and it travels forward, I want you to look for team members who really manage your expectations effectively, okay? Great team members, they're going to be frank and upfront with you, even though they know that the information will be hard to hear, okay? So their communication will start that way and it will then most likely continue that way through the project. And remember that the frank communication is a two-way street as well. So this leads me to my next point, which is number four. Set really clear expectations with your team and have them agreed in writing. There is really no point getting verbal promises prior to commencing your project, but then signing an agreement or contract that doesn't include them. And this is what I'd seen it happen so often in those 100 plus posts was they'd had something promised verbally that had then not followed through inside the contract. You know, it's a really common complaint that a builder or a designer promised something before the project commenced and they're now not living up to that promise. And and this has been especially relevant with many homeowners 
uh, particularly over the last couple of years as prices have been increasing. They believe that their builder promised them that their price wouldn't move, it wouldn't change once they started their project, they just needed to sign their contract and now they're experiencing variation after variation. If it's not in the contract, it doesn't count, okay? It really doesn't. It's the only thing that you can really fall back in the process of constructing your project um, is the contract with the builder. So, and the same can be said for your fee agreement or your contract or your, your client architect agreement with your designer or your architect. So you need to read these documents and you need to ensure that they have in them what is actually needed. Don't believe that every contract or every agreement is standard, okay? Know what yours specifically includes and what it means for you and your obligations. And I highly recommend that you get legal advice as well. We've actually found through my other business, Live Life Build, that loads of builders don't actually read the contracts that they have their homeowner, you know, their homeowner clients sign, let alone know how to execute them properly. So, and the thing about a building contract is that it's actually a rule book for executing a project. Whether you're building or renovating, your contract tells you how the project needs to roll out. And you know, you're working with professionals on something that's a large investment. So it really doesn't cut it for things to be handled casually and informally. And if you're financing your project, your bank is not going to tolerate things being handled casually or informally either. So you definitely shouldn't. Don't assume anything and don't tolerate things being handled differently to the contract. It really, I can't, I can't emphasize this enough. Okay. So this actually then leads me on to my next point, which is point number five. Ensure those expectations as discussed and as agreed to with your team in writing that they actually get delivered on. And don't procrastinate about this. Don't let molehills turn into mountains. If it is in the contract, then hold people accountable for what is contractually promised. You know, is the project taking longer than they promised? Well, what does the contract say? What were the timelines that were set out? please, please, please don't ever sign a contract that doesn't include timelines. I see people doing that. I see them signing on with builders who are refusing to put timelines into their contracts. Then they're wondering why they're in projects that have gone on for so much longer than expected. If the build is taking longer, then has the builder followed the contract processes around variations and extensions of time? Do you actually know what that terminology means and what that process should look like? Have you included liquidated damages that are specific to your project in your contract? If you don't include specific information, it'll just it'll just uh, refer back to whatever the standard is that is included in the contract. So you need to check these things and you need to know what it means. I was so chuffed to hear one of my home method members discussing this with their architect well before selecting a builder and actually discussing what their contract was going to need to include and talking with the group and with me about what were the best things to think about in in, in adjusting some of those terms for their own specific project. Speak up, okay, and hold the people that you're working with to account. Now, this is where I see homeowners actually need the most support. If you're not used to speaking up for yourself, if you're not used to having difficult conversations and confronting people when you're not happy, or when you believe that your expectations are not being met, you have difficulty saying anything about that. You know, if this is something that you're not used to doing, it can be really hard to do this in the context of your project. People are really emotionally invested in the outcome of their project. They're emotionally invested in the people that they're working with. And it can be really challenging to be able to have difficult conversations with people. And this is where I will see, you know, I'll definitely hear that the whole concept of I don't want to rock the boat really come to the fore. I, I want you to reframe this though. I want you to actually realize that what you're saying is it is okay for me to be treated like this 
and for these people to not be held accountable to the things that they've promised me contractually. Now, this may sound tough for me to say this to you. It may sound unempathetic. It's something I really believe though. It's something I think a lot about in my personal and professional life. You can't actually be surprised that people will walk all over you if you actually allow them to. I want you to know though, okay, the flip side of this is that standing up for yourself doesn't mean that you have to be combative. It doesn't mean that you have to be rude and it doesn't mean that you have to be a bully, okay? The contract that you have, it exists. It literally has in black and white what the rules are for the build and your fee agreement with your architect or designer should have that as well, okay? And I've included some information in the resources for checking your fee proposal with your client or with your architect or your designer because that'll help you know that your fee proposal has the right things in it before you actually sign it. So read through these agreements before you begin, you know, particularly your building contract. And you also want to make sure that the other documents that make up the contract, such as your drawings and your your specifications, that you've read through them as well. And that you keep using those documents throughout the project too. You know, you want to keep referring back to them and making things are being executed according and making sure that things are being executed according to them. You know, I saw a post recently in another Facebook group, someone had taken a photograph of the inside of their roof under construction. Uh, It was a steel framed roof. So you could sort of see steel trusses around. It had metal roofing on it and there was no sarking or blanket between the steel framing and the roof material. And I immediately saw a nightmare situation where condensation was going to form on the underside of the roof sheeting and then it was going to end up dripping on their ceiling and anything else within that roof space. You know, that slow, slow degradation of their home's construction. And so they were asking if something was missing. You know, they were expecting to see something underneath the roof. They weren't expecting to be able to see the underside of their roof sheeting. And then they were asking if it could be retrofitted. Now, the responses in this in this from to this Facebook post, they were somewhere, there were some that were helpful and then there were some that were just downright wrong and misleading. And what concerned me the most about all of this is that the person who's actually paying for their home to be built, that they didn't know what they were, that they were supposed to be having some type of layer between their roof and framing. They didn't know if anything was specified. They didn't know if it was supposed to be included. They just assumed that they shouldn't be able to see the underside of their metal roof. Now, maybe this was because they, A, hadn't educated themselves on what was best for their home and climate, and B, they weren't provided with a specification or scope document, or they hadn't read it, and so they were making assumptions. Now, it does not have to be like this. This does not have to be your experience for your project. I have had Home Method members who because they've been informed and educated, because they've known how to what they need to know and they've known how to navigate these situations, they have had their builders redo an entire home's worth of building wrap because they spotted that the wrong one had been ordered and installed. They've had builders, you know, they've held builders to account over the wrong window orders, mouldy timber framing, incorrect slab set outs and other errors as well. And they've also worked collaboratively with their builder when mistakes have been made. You know, mistakes do get made, but if you have let something legally in your contract that is different compared to what you're actually getting on site and the contractual processes for variations to the contract haven't been adhered to, then you need to speak up, okay? You you have to then figure out, are you going to stick with what you actually asked for or you're going to work through a compromise with the builder um, to keep what, what has been ordered? But unless you know what to expect and how to get what you're paying for, you can't even have those conversations and you can't even know what you need to know to be able to navigate them. And what happens is I see people instead just deciding to let these things go. And what happens if you let let it go is generally this. 
the small, the generally flexible problems, they can actually become much bigger, much longer term issues for your home and your life in it. And I see people who decide to ignore the issue or they try to be someone who isn't going to make the builder's life difficult, you know, knock rock the boat, for example. What happens for them is that that inevitably builds up into a larger scale resentment about how they feel about the project and the builder. And what then generally happens is you start seeing all the evidence for a job done badly. you'll see the negatives rather than the positives because your brain likes to seek reinforcement for its feelings. And if you're feeling resentful, you will look for reinforcement of that resentment. And the byproduct of that is that you generally feel far more stressed about your project and you enjoy it much, much less. And for many, what happens then long-term is that then that impacts their experience and their feelings about their finished home as well and about moving into their finished home. Now, it is not easy to speak up for yourself if you're not used to doing it. I find we're so willing to go in all guns blazing to fight on behalf of a friend or on behalf of one of our children, but we find it so difficult to do for ourselves. But it's so important that you decide what you will and won't put up with. And this is an amazing learning process. It's an amazing uh, thing to become aware of. I've been blown away by the personal growth that I've seen Home Method members ex- experience because they've got to practice this in their projects. They've got to practice speaking up for themselves, using the contract to get what they've actually paid for, being really informed and knowing how to have these conversations. And then they've taken that ability into other areas of their life. And so I really encourage you to think about this because your mindset about this is it's really going to make a massive difference to your project. You are not rocking the boat by standing up for what is contractually agreed and pushing through it and just putting up with it just to get to the other side because you feel that it's, you know, it it's the way to go. It's generally not worth it, okay? Especially if it's going to leave you with a bad taste in your mouth, empty pockets and a poorly built home. So this leads me to my next point, which is point number six. And I'll recap all of these at the end so you get them again. Uh, I want you to be ready to terminate if needed. Again, don't procrastinate on this. In other episodes and blogs, I've talked about this and how I think people can just hang on too long to bad service, to bad professionals and to a bad experience. I really encourage you before you enter any agreement with anybody that you review the termination conditions so that you actually are prepared for the worst case scenario. And then if the worst case scenario arrives, that you're ready to get out of the situation legally. You know, get legal advice, speak to the governing industry body in your location, such as, you know, fair trading or the QBCC. Understand what pathways are available to you and what your rights are in all of that. I find that the longer that you leave it, it generally goes from being a problem that's worth hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of dollars to very quickly blowing up to something worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, it can snowball very quickly when it comes to building and renovating. So make sure you don't procrastinate, know what is involved in terminating. Now, my last point is I want you to watch out for the red flags because Every time I've spoken with a homeowner about their negative experience with building or renovating, we've actually been able to pinpoint several red flags that they ignored along the way. You know, feelings that they had, but they dismissed because they thought that they were being silly or that they were overreacting to a situation. 
And I've I've personally found out, I don't know if this is helpful for you, it may feel a bit woo-woo, but I've found that in order to trust my intuition more, I actually need to educate myself more. So when I educate myself, I build up knowledge that then reinforces the trust in myself. My brain gets evidence that my intuition actually knows what it's talking about. It relaxes the overthinking and then it helps me anchor into that intuitive feeling more. And I found that over time, as I've done that more and more, I've been able to trust what my gut is telling me far more strongly. And I see this with my home method members as well. You know, they get this feeling, they see a red flag, they then might check in with a question or in the group, or they might dive into the course content and they see that they were right to feel that way. And then that helps them lean into those feelings more. It helps them to trust the feelings that they're getting about situations because it then also puts words and action steps at how to navigate those red flags. So they actually then have a pathway through those tricky situations as well. And as I said, they can always check in with the group and with me to sanity check their thoughts. You know, we have lots of, is it reasonable for me to be thinking this kind of conversations? Now, I mentioned in the last episode about needing to treat your project like a project. You know, none of what I've mentioned in this episode can just happen on the fly. You really do need to make time to be able to prepare yourself to process your thoughts about these things and to be ready for your project effectively. You know, when you race at your project or you wait until you've chosen a designer or a builder to then figure these things out, you simply won't be able to have the same level of conversation with them about yourself, about your project and about your expectations for it. You'll end up wholeheartedly being led by what those professionals' expectations are, what those people that you're working with, what what they set as the expectations or what they don't and, and the standard that they generally deliver. And I had a friend at uni who always used to say to me, you know, it's much easier to drop your standards than to raise those of the people around you. Another way of putting it is that, you know, it's easier to run like a turkey than to soar like an eagle. Now, I, I want to set, I want to manage your expectations here, okay, because it can feel challenging to hold specific standards for your project. It can feel easier to drop your standards than to raise those of the people around you. But please know that there are professionals out there who are doing great things. No one has to have a wholly horrible experience. Of course, there may be hiccups and hurdles. Anytime you're spending this much money and this much time on something that that has this much meaning and impact for you, there is going to be stress, especially if this is the first time that you've done it. But I want you to remember this saying, okay, be careful what you tolerate. You are teaching people how to treat you. So being educated and knowledgeable about what you can and should expect, you know, when your expectations are being unrealistic, so you can get them back in alignment with realism, how you can actually hold others to account in your expectations. It really does make a difference to your project journey and working with professionals who think similarly also is super helpful. Now, most of all, knowing this stuff, it makes a difference to you, to how you show up, to what standards you demand, and to also what you're willing to put up with. And that then changes how enjoyable your project is as well. You know, when you feel more confident and in control and involved because you've got yourself equipped to be able to do that, I see the difference time and time again. It makes how much people enjoy themselves as they build or renovate their homes, even through the challenging times. So let's just recap on those points because I've covered a lot of ground here. The first one is educate yourself about what expectations you can have when designing, building and renovating your home so you know what standard to set for yourself and your project. The second is define what your expectations are going to be. Ask yourself some important questions so that you can really know how to embark on your project journey in the right way. Number three is discuss these expectations with potential team members to find alignment 
with those team members or where they're not aligning with you and get the necessary reality checks. Your job is to find out as quickly as possible whether your expectations match reality. So don't get too invested in your dream home ideas without doing this first. Number four is set really clear expectations with your team and have it agreed in writing. Verbal promises are meaningless if they're not in black and white in the contract between you and the professionals that you're working with. Number five is ensure that these expectations as discussed and agreed to with your team are actually delivered on. And then don't procrastinate and don't let molehills turn into mountains. Actually hold people accountable for the expectations that you've communicated and what's in the contract and don't handle things casually out of fear for rocking the boat. Number six is be ready to terminate if needed. Again, don't procrastinate and know what is involved in terminating agreements so that you can protect yourself legally. And number seven is watch out for the red flags. Don't ignore things hoping that they'll get better as those red flags are warnings that something needs to be done. So I hope that you found that helpful. We went through quite a few things there. Now, remember, if you'd like a transcript of this episode, I've got a free downloadable version. You can grab that by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 269. That's the numbers 269. I've also included uh, some extra links there to blogs, podcast episodes that really do expand further on this topic that um, may be really helpful for you. And if you're listening to this episode at its time of release, then check out the resources as well. I've got that link to the free online workshop that I'm running this week too. Now, lastly, if you would like more structured help and guidance and to feel more confident and in control as you learn the steps from start to finish of your project journey and also how to create a home that you love living in, then Home Method is the place for you. Plus, you'll join a community of amazing and super informed homeowners on a similar journey to you and you'll also be able to access my personalised help and support along the way. You can find out more about Home Method by heading to homemethod.com.au. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.